Alright, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing. Marty's at home with his baby. And we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. Johnny. Yo. Actually, I guess we're here for a quick roundup of the last two weeks in sports. Um, more or less. Basically the last the week. The broad though, strokes. Because once we get over past a week, that's gone from my brain. It just, <laughs> uh, um, great week for the Patriots. Uh, yeah, but I've noticed that they still take a dip in the power ranking somehow. <laughs> it's like they lost to Baltimore two weeks ago, and I get it. They didn't look good, but Baltimore had two weeks to prepare for them on a Sunday night game where it was like a college atmosphere blackout, and it was a tough game for the Patriots. You know, one of those kind of scheduled loss type games. And they didn't look great, but you know, you know, how many teams go sixteen and zero? Not many, considering it's been forty eight years now, or forty seven years since the last undefeated team. So, teams aren't going to go undefeated. You're going to lose games. So, if you look at the schedule and you were trying to predict losses, wouldn't this, wouldn't that at Baltimore Sunday night game been a game you would have predicted the Patriots would lose? Yes. Uh, yes, I mean, I suppose so. The logic checks out. Okay, so, but they're still now tied for the best record in the league after the Niners lose last night at 8-1, and one. so the Patriots are also 8-1, and one. and they were number one in all the polls before the Baltimore game. They still have the best record, tied for the best record, but all of a sudden in the polls today, I'm seeing number five everywhere. They're number five, Coward's records, ESPN's ranking, NFL.com rankings. They're number five. Teams with two losses are ahead of them, and that pisses me off, so... But whatever, it's just more ammunition to fuel the fire for later on down the road. You know, that's what we do. And we get, as Patriots fans, we get the national media saying that we're done, uh, the Patriots are finished after every single Patriots loss, and this is how it works every single year, and then they use it to their advantage, and they go on a march to win the Super Bowl. So let's do it all over again. Here we go. (laughs) That was our... Patriots rant for the day. So glad to get that out of the way uh, up front. Big congratulations to Marty and Jade. Uh, the baby came. And baby Ronan. Baby Ronan. Yeah, congratulations to him. Uh, c- condolences on being a Cowboys fan. Um, sucks. Do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, maybe his uncle will get him to be a, a Pats fan. But uh, Marty's pretty tenacious. And I, I think... I mean, I mean, growing up Cowboys fan has got to be a tough way to live, so I don't know if you would want to wish that on anyone. <laughs> Wasn't so bad for Marty. I guess, early, yeah, in the 90s, but it's been a rough 25 years since, so. All right. Well, speaking of Marty, number 40, uh, he sent me over this. His is Sean Kemp, uh, played with uh, mostly the Seattle Supersonics between 89 and 97. Uh, do you remember his, his nickname, Johnny? I don't, but the, I like the number. I like Sean Kemp. I liked him a lot. I don't remember his nickname. The Rain Man, R E I G N. Oh, okay. Just a couple things. Uh, six-time NBA All-Star, uh, three-time All-NBA Second Team, McDonald's All-American in 1988. I think every NBA player was an NBA was a McDonald's All-American. Yeah, it sounds sounds prestigious. <laughs> uh, let's see. He had uh, 15,347 points. 8,834 uh, rebounds, 1,279 blocks. The dunks. The dunks is what he was known for. The the dunks and the the assists from Gary Payton and the dunks from Sean Kemp. That's what he was the, he's known for. 
and a career. gold medalist, right? And I, I don't know. Um, but he also, and then later in his career, his career didn't last as long as it should have because he gained a lot of weight and he was out of the league, you know, quicker than he should have. He, he was on a Hall of Fame path and he's just one of those guys who kind of gained weight and lost steam uh, early on. And it's kind of a shame, wasted talent. Yeah, yeah. So, not a gold medal uh, Olympic. It was the FIBA World Championship. All right, Sean Kemp. Okay. Want to take the next one? Uh, yeah, so my number 40 is a local legend, uh, Boston Bruins goaltender Tuka Rask. Uh, Tuka Rask won a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins in 2011 as a backup goaltender. Uh, Tim Thomas was the starting goaltender. Um, he Tuka was drafted 21st overall in the 2005 NHL entry draft by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, then he was... Uh, he was traded to the Bruins a couple years later. Uh, he was born 1987, March 10th. And I think a lot of us uh, Bruins fans don't appreciate Tuca as much as we as we should because he's been one of the better goaltenders um, in the NHL in his time. And he's gotten the Bruins to Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals in 2013, losing to the Blackhawks in awful fashion. And then last year... He lost in the Stanley Cup Finals in the Game 7 at home to the St. Louis Blues in not as brutal fashion as the Game 6 was um, against the Blackhawks years ago. But still, he didn't really give the Bruins much of a chance in that game. And so those will be the times that he'll be remembered for because he's in an era, unfortunately, of Boston athletes where we're in a time where the Boston athletes that are legend have come through big time in key moments. And so if you're a a great Boston athlete that fails to come through, that's unfortunately what you're known for. So he'll never be truly appreciated unless he ends up winning a Stanley Cup in the next couple of years. So, and that's going to be a tough task because the road was there for them last year. Uh, it's only going to be harder going forward and having to get through teams like Toronto, Tampa Bay, Washington, Pittsburgh. Uh, so I don't know the, the road will be ever as clear as it was last year for him, but um, I think it needs to be. He needs to win a cup to save his name and be, you know, known as one of the great Boston athletes of all time. Unfortunately, well, which may the, be hard on him. Maybe it the, is. One of the things that I think I think we there's a real perception issue there, where. Um, but I told you why. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? I mean, I get it, but in 2013. They held the Penguins to two goals total. Yeah. Well, you as and, a Penguins fan saw that, and so there's your perception. Yeah, that, I mean, he's like the boogeyman. Yeah. You know, getting swept in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you get a and chance, I t- yeah. I talked so much shit, Johnny. Do you remember? I talked so much shit. And, and here's a couple numbers about Tuka, too. Um, the playoff save percentage to, since 2010, he's third uh, with 924 behind only Braden Holpe and Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, even strength playoff save percentage since 2010, he's second with a 9.33, only a hundredth of a point away from Henrik Lundqvist, and then uh, goals against average two 2.25. But he's got to win. He's got to win, win when it matters most. That's what the great Boston athletes of this time do. Yeah. Uh, he was on his way last year, man. He stole game six at St. Louis. Remember, they were down three games yeah. to two, and he didn't give him a chance. And then game seven comes, and it's like, it's just rough, man. It's tough. So, 
I, I trust me. I hope he wins a cup and he's known as Tuga the Great. It's tough to get there. But it's tough to get there. All right. All right. That's my guy. Forty Tuga Rask. Okay. Um, I am going with uh, more hockey. Henrik Zetterberg. Who, do you know is that his first name is actually Carl? That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> famous uh, famous member of the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, he was a captain of the team for a time. Um, won the Conn Smythe in 2008. You know, I remember that well. He had the game-winning goal. Broke my fucking heart. Won gold medals in the 2006 World Championship and the 2006 Winter Olympics. The only... As part of the first team to ever win both tournaments in the same year. Huge for, for Swedish hockey there. And a member of the Triple Gold Club. He was drafted by the Red Wings 210th overall in the 7th round of the 1999 NHL entry draft. Um, Detroit at the time was under criticism for, quote, mortgaging away its future uh, when they had traded away many of its earlier picks. Uh, jokes on everyone else because Zetterberg turned out to be... All right. He was part of the Swedish Five with uh, Thomas Holstrom, Michael Samuelson, Nicholas Lidstrom, and Nicholas Cronwall. Also played with Iserman and Datsuk. I mean, those those Red Wings teams were absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, uh, to quote him for the second time in two weeks, uh, commented that Zetterberg was probably the most underrated player in the league. Just, uh, just w- one of those guys... Uh, you hated playing against him. Very decorated. Uh, gold gold medal uh, in Turin. Silver medal, medal in Sochi. Gold, silver, and two bronze in the World, Champions, World Championships. He was part of the all-rookie team. Uh, two-time All-Star. Conn Smythe Trophy winner. Stanley Cup winner. NHL Foundation Player Award. King Clancy Memorial Trophy. Uh, he's actually not officially retired right now. Um, he's got like a chronic back issue and so, uh, and a a couple more years left on his contract. So he's just kind of riding it out. But, um, yeah, Henrik Zetterberg. Sweet. Uh, before we get into it, uh, with football, just wanted to, um, mention briefly the big fight a couple weeks ago, Masvidal versus Diaz. Three round bout, uh, got stopped, um, right before the, uh, the fourth with the doctor stoppage, there was a cut above Diaz's right eye and also below it as well. Can you guess what the title they were fighting for? Best fighter? Baddest motherfucker belt. Oh, <laughs> close. Pre- presented by The Rock. It was right. fucking awesome. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I mean, and you'll remember uh, Masvidal um, from knocking the shit out of uh, Ben Scrivens, the like five second knockout. And then he had the awesome comments afterwards. But, uh, yeah, it was, Masvidal was in control of the fight the whole time. Really controlling it with, with leg kicks uh, and and quick flurries. And uh, Diaz was unable to get to his wrestling, which is which is his strength. Uh, because of the leg kicks, Masvidal just wouldn't let him any, anywhere near him. You certainly can't shoot and then you're going to get your fucking head knocked off. Um, so it, he was well on his way to losing this fight, but he's just like one of those tough bastards that like, it feels like every time he gets hit, he gets a little bit more mad, a little bit stronger. Like he needs to get the shit beat out of him for a couple rounds before he can 
really turn it on. And so you never know what would have happened in those late rounds if, because all it takes is one shot, you know. And there are a couple. He he landed a couple good blows, but there's so much scar tissue on his face that you know once they opened him up. Every every shot, he was just pouring blood. I would have liked to see the fight go on more, but you know, the doctor has to uh, has to be able to to go, go to sleep at night and and be able to live with himself, uh, knowing that he did right by the fighter. And and you know, the fighter's always gonna want to go past uh, what is probably um, medically healthy, you know. So, but um, wildly entertaining, lots of action. Uh, and, uh, you know, aside, fr- aside from the end, and then obviously Masvidal has got some, um, got some awesome quotes, uh, about it. He's like, uh, uh don't be booing me. Uh, I'm not the fucking doctor, <laughs> but he, he had a, um, he had a comment about, uh, baptizing Nate Diaz, uh, which was funny. Uh, and his older bro- his older brother, uh, is is now there's like whispers that uh, Nick might come out of retirement to uh, to fight Masvidal, you know, try try and avenge his brother. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's fighting talk. All right. Did you watch the game of the century this weekend? Monday Night Football. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most overrated game of the year. <laughs> no, it was an entertaining game, but um, no Saturday's game, LSU Alabama. Oh, no, I could give less than a fuck. It was the game of the century, dude, and it lived up to the hype. That was the game of the year for football. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was. Uh, anyway, LSU goes in, wins at Alabama, something nobody does. Alabama had won 31 straight in a row at Brian Denny Stadium. and uh, Finally a stadium that was cheering Trump. Yep. Yeah, and Belichick was there wearing his Alabama gear because he's friends with Nick Saban, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, LSU went in there and Joe Burrow established himself as the number one pick in the draft next year. Um, if it's not Chase Young, the defensive end who got suspended from Ohio State, um, Tua still going to be up there. But mm-hmm. uh, Burrow. His pr- stock is falling a little bit, isn't it? Well, Burrow, it's Burrow and Chase Young rose. And I think Tua has just kind of stayed. And then well, Eli- when you're at the top, the only the only place to move is down. Yeah. So, and the new rankings just came out, and Alabama's now number five. LSU moves up to number one, of course. Um, and so it was only the fifth time that L- Alabama had lost at home under Nick Saban in over 11 years. So that is mighty impressive. It's just something Alabama doesn't lose at home. So is, to win this game is... Is Clemson still out of the rankings? No, they're three. They're three now? Yeah. All right. And so... I just thought that game was fantastic. LSU won 46-41, to and there was an earlier game in the day. Minnesota won 31-26 over number 4, Penn State. That game was tremendous, and Minnesota stays undefeated, and they're now 9-0, and and Minnesota went up to uh, number 8 in the standings. That's so. a rough one for Penn State, too, because that pretty... I mean, once you lose once... I mean, they're still a Big Ten um, football team, right? So... I mean, there's still a chance, but it's you're right. It's not as good. And Minnesota, I think the, the story is good because Minnesota hasn't been good since, like, 1942. Um, 
And so it's nice to see a team rise out of nowhere. They've got this great new coach, P.J. Fleck, who was a coach at Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. He's on the rise. And so to see a team like Minnesota be undefeated, it's exciting. I'm looking at buying myself a Minnesota Golden Gophers hat. Yeah, don't buy the gold one. Uh, your wife and I decided that for you today. Okay. Um, I also got LSU hat on the way. Is it gold? No, purple. All right, I was going to say, you might have to send it back. I don't know, I'm not going to hat buying fiends lately <laughs> anyway college this weekend of college football was was fantastic um so that's all there is about that all right yeah and i, you know, I did catch a little bit uh, out of the corner of my eye i was working during this game alabama had a slow start right and yeah it looked yeah, like had, it was going be in ugly. for the score and then Tua fumbled um and, you know, around the five yard line and then lsu went down and lsu just kept kept scoring they kept racking up the points and even when you thought it was over it was what 40 at one point it was 46 to 34 with like a minute and a half to go and alabama scores like an 80 yard touchdown um with a minute to go and you're like jesus they never quit and it's just there's no die in that team which is it's fun to see in a college game um anyway Anyway, seeing LSU win at Alabama was exciting. Great win. Okay, let's uh, let's move now. We'll pivot to our clip of the week. Uh, we got a good one lined up for you here. Taylor Luan, uh, offensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans, with some brutal honesty and self-reflection. So uh, enjoy. Let me before we even start this whole thing. My penalties are a problem. I am one hundred percent an issue with that. It's not intentional. I do not mean to do it. I, my intentions are good. I'm just trying to finish. And it's killing the team. And I know that. You guys need to know that. No one needs to call me out or anything because I, I, I got it, boys. I am completely screwing the team with the amount of penalties I've had in these last, what, six games? It's crazy. It's, it's, it's horrible. I cannot get penalties. I'm sorry. There's no need to ask about it because I know I'm an absolute liability when it comes to penalties. Okay, and we're and we're back. Um, I gotta say, Johnny, I really amuse myself. No, it's yeah, it's beautifully done. I like it. Very entertaining. <laughs> and this weekend of football was entertaining as well. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it was a good one. It's better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Some 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 slates look kind of meh, and this one looked kind of meh. But there were some upsets and some quality games. And uh, the Monday night game, the Sunday night game was good. The Kansas City-Tennessee game was good. The Green Bay-Carolina game was good. I thought the Steelers game, actually. I oh, mean, my uh, God, dude. How are you forgetting this? The Steelers. Yeah. I'm becoming a Steelers fan. They're a really I'm becoming li- a Steelers fan. They're a really likable team right now. Just like the underdog. Uh, it's it's cool. It's cool to see them do what they're doing. Uh, defense is winning, their, winning them games. Man, Mika Fitzpatrick... He's changed it all. Five and two since he's arrived. Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh God, I might. If we if if I had a baby right now, I'd 
Mink would be in the top three. <laughs> Ernesto Minka Sanchez. You like that? I do. <laughs> Minka magic. Uh, okay. Well, we'll uh, get right into the week that was starting in Oakland. Uh, and actually our first contested pick. Uh, Johnny, I don't know if you caught uh, last week's podcast, but I tallied everything up. Marty's at 20. You're in the lead with 27. Let's see how you did this week. What do you got here? Yeah, a little breaking news. Colin Kaepernick is about to go and do a workout for the NFL in Atlanta on Saturday. He's been in shape and he's been ready for this for three years. So it looks like teams are going to come check him out. And Colin Kaepernick might be making his return to the NFL soon. Wow. Man, what a... I hope it happens and I hope that uh, it doesn't turn into a media and political shitstorm, which it probably will. Probably. And social media shitstorm. Fucking, I can't believe how he's become, like, for many people, like, the face of, like, disrespect to the country, and it's just... And for, you know, it sucks because the guy was it's fun, all, he was fun to watch play. So much fun to watch play, and... Like, he was in the Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick, and now Lamar Jackson type mold, you know, running, throwing, quarterback, who made exciting things happen on the field, and the 49ers got to the Super Bowl, almost won it in that year in 2000 what 12 2012 so i mean i'm sure he doesn't quite have the wheels that he had back then but we'll see i'm sure i mean the, the quarterback situation around the nfl is fucking horrendous so. i heard he was he was going to be doing a thing for three teams who do you who do you think uh is interested in him oh i could probably name about half the league who could use use him right yeah but do, let's not forget that he's also going to come with this extra baggage it's inherent right, baggage right, 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 right. so you know, I don't think a team in the Midwest is going to be able Good to point. to pick him up because that's Heartland people, man. They'd... I mean, e- even I get it, but like, and so we're rewatching the Kansas City Tennessee game right now, and a team like Tennessee, you're telling me that with they have Tannehill and fucking Mariota who's benched on their team, you're telling me Tennessee could use like a Colin Kaepernick type with their offense with Derrick Henry. And their great offensive line and Ooh, their what defense. About, what about Chicago? The politics. Chicago. Wow. The politics yeah. would work there. Well, Chicago is a great option. Um, I do think they're going to give Trubisky a little bit more time, considering they used the second overall pick on him, and they chose him over Mahomes and Watson. But you're right; that would be a good fit. Anyway, well, we'll uh, get right into the week that was. With the first one, you had picked the L.A. Chargers over Oakland. Oakland plus one and a half. Loss. This was the Phillip Rivers retirement party. He sucked. Raiders won 26-24, keeping their playoff chances alive and kind of burying the Chargers a little bit more and proving that they are likely going to be done with Phillip Rivers at the end of the year. He just looks... uh, Hashtag not good. Hashtag not good. Yeah. And the Raiders have something going, which is fun to see the Raiders back in action again. So, One of the biggest upsets of the week, uh, Atlanta in the Dome. Huge upset. 26-9. What the hell happened, John? Uh, Atlanta's defense, for the first time all year, came to play, which is stunning development because they had been giving up points upon points and yards upon yards, and all of a sudden they played New Orleans, one of the best teams in the league with one loss, and... Uh, Breeze and the Saints offense gets shut down completely. Uh, they got a lot of pressure on Drew Breeze. They were able to get some sacks. Grady Jarrett and uh, 
Vic Beasley, the other the other Clemson defensive tackle, got some sacks on Drew Brees, and you know I think the Saints have a problem. They can't get the ball downfield past twenty plus yards, and if you can cover the short and intermediate and contain Kamara, who's been banged up, uh, if Breeze doesn't have the mobility to get outside the pocket, and I think it's exposed some issues. They may have exposed some issues that the Saints have offensively. And on the flip side, Matt Ryan came back, and the Falcons' offense looked is you know kind of what it normally looks like. You know, they're always going to score moving the ball yeah. in the twenties, and with Julio Jones and uh, Devontae Freeman got a little dinged up. Brian Hill replaced him nicely, and. Um, I guess, you know, it, in the end, it's a division game. These, I think they said this was the 26th time, which is the most all-time, that Matt Ryan and Drew Brees have faced one another, which is, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. So they know each other well. These teams know each other well. It's a division game. So even when... You got to imagine, too, that New Orleans was coming into this thinking they had it in the bag. Probably. Probably, because Atlanta hadn't shown much all year, except the, the downward... You know, they were just on a down, straight downward trajectory, and it's it's nice to see that they have some sort of pulse. They're 2-7, and seven, but at least they're not a dead fish, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Speaking of dead fish, Buffalo heading into the dog pound, uh, losing a tough one, 16-19. Cleveland covers the spread here. The last two weeks, the penalties are down. The mistakes are down. Is Cleveland going to pick it up? Because their schedule is relatively easy. But that, that's two games in the next three weeks against your Steelers, including one coming up this Thursday. So I think... I feel like if Pittsburgh wants to make the playoffs, they got to beat Cleveland twice in the next three weeks. If Cleveland's going to make a season, they're going to have to beat Pittsburgh twice in the next three weeks. I feel like these teams can't split going forward. One of the teams has to take both of them. You know what I mean? Do you hear what I'm saying there? Do you feel that way? Yeah, yeah. Especially Cleveland, because Cleveland's three and six. You know, at least the Steelers are five and four. But Cleveland needs, needs both of them. Needs yeah. both. They For can't. Sure. They can't probably lose again. Maybe once, but even that might be too much. So, but Buffalo, holy shit, Josh Allen sucks. I mean, they they did score late to go ahead, but their offense is such a tractor pull, and. But Cleveland's looked cleaned up the last couple weeks, and that's something to take note of. They, they The penalties and the mistakes look to be going away, and Buffalo may be going the other way. So Cleveland may be arrow pointing up, Buffalo may be arrow pointing down. Hey, I like that. That's going to help my Steelers because I'm, I'm looking at the, the wild card spot. Right, so... Uh, the team that is ahead of you in the standings... Is Buffalo, right? So you will, yeah, you want to get up there, man. If you hadn't lost that freaking game to Baltimore, you would be six and three. I mean, that Seattle game was also very winnable. I mean, we were they we've would, been in it this season. You, they, you would both be six and three if you had beaten Baltimore, and you'd ha- you'd be in first place. Wow, that's amazing. So, but you're still alive, so. and we still play Baltimore again, right? So there's a there's a chance to get that one back, or at right. least and, ne- and now the defense looks. Uh, they look. We'll get to your Steelers. So yeah. let's let's get there. All right. Next contested pick: uh, Detroit at Chicago, uh, in the Windy City. Chicago was able to right the ship somewhat, uh, winning twenty to thirteen, uh, easily covering the two and a half spread. Uh, you had chosen Chicago, and you got it right. So you're one and one. 
Uh, yeah, so Trubisky looked a little bit better in this game. They got him more out of the pocket, moving around, which was good, and he ended up throwing three touchdown passes, and I think it, it helped that Matt Stafford was out for this game. He had started something like 136 straight games as an NFL quarterback, but he has a, some sort of disc issue in his back, so he's questionable going forward. The Bears still have issues. What, they're 4-5, and five, their schedule's still tough. I think they're at the Rams next week, and... You know, this is just one of those division games, but Trubisky looked better. So, there's that. Okay. Uh, next, we have Baltimore at Cincinnati. You had picked Cincinnati to yep. cover uh, plus nine and a half. I think you assumed, uh, and I even said this on last week's podcast, that tough division game. They always play them tough. Um, Let down spot after a big Patriots win. Right, exactly. But... but. Uh, Lamar Jackson and the Red Hot Ravens just kicked the living fuck out of them, 49-13. to Yep. Uh, with no red rifle, Ryan Finley got the start for the Bengals. Uh, Lamar Jackson had a, just an unbelievable sick run up the middle for a touchdown, like a 50-yard touchdown. It was uh, Michael Vick against the Vikings in overtime-esque type run. And he also threw for three touchdowns. And it's just, I know it's against a team like the Bengals who has no wins, but generally after a team beats the Patriots the next week or the week, you know, the weeks ahead, they let down because they act like they've won the Super Bowl. Like it's, they've, you know, saved their season or whatever, like made their season. But, and this was a great spot for them to just kind of show up and just kind of let the game play out and win a close game. But no, they went in there and they fucking dominated them. So Mm. 49-13, that's impressive. I I was impressed. And I think it says a lot about the state of the Ravens. Yep. Also, the the state of the Bengals, the only team with a chance for a perfect season still this, this year. I know. I know. It's crazy. Moving on to our next contested pick, we have Kansas City at Tennessee. Uh, you had chosen Tennessee plus three and a half. I was thinking we were going to see a lot out of Patrick Mahomes, and we certainly did. You could see who was really chomping at the bit to get back on the field. 50 throws, 36 completions, 446 yards, and three touchdowns. How the hell does that not give you a W? Because your defense is the Kansas City Chiefs defense. So, yeah, I'm thanks, excited. Jo- I called- thanks, John Madden. <laughs> I called this game, and... I just I felt good about it because this is the type of game. I mean, the Chiefs defense, they had this game won. I mean, we're, we're rewatching the game right now, and it's 10 nothing Chiefs, and they are owning this game um, aside from penalties. They've got five five penalties for 50 yards already, and the first quarter's not even over. Um, but late in the game, there was a, a couple botched field goals by the Chiefs, and then uh, a late touchdown from Tannehill to Adam Humphreys to pushed the Titans over to a 35-32 victory. And Mahomes is great and all, but they just get, and they couldn't stop the run. Derrick Henry averaged, what, over eight yards a carry in this game. He had like a 70-yard touchdown. Um, they can't stop the run. They can't stop anything the Chiefs can't defensively. And when you give up that kind of production to Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, you're, you're you're in for a tough day. So the Titans keep their hopes alive. They're one of your main rivals now at 5-5. Five and five. They're in the playoff hunt. So, And the Chiefs are now 6-4, and four, and they are arrow-pointing down. Yeah. Okay, next we had the Battle of New York. The Giants 
at the Jets, although it's pretty much a home game for both teams. There was one notable play from this game. So the Jets win 34-27 to over the Giants. The notable, did you see the Jamal Adams play where he just steamrolled Saquon Barkley, got to the quarterback Daniel Jones, ripped the ball away from him, and then ran it in for like a 35-yard touchdown. It was like a grown man playing with little little boys. <laughs> it was unreal, and Jamal Adams had a phenomenal game. You don't see Jamal Adams, Adams thinks that he's one of the best players in the NFL, but he doesn't play like it. Last week, he played like it. Um, but Daniel Jones still put up really big numbers. He ended up passing for 308 yards, threw for four touchdowns, but he was sacked six times. On the flip side, the Giants are on the same side. The Giants, I think, brought Saquon Barkley back way too soon from the ankle injury. I know his original timetable for the high ankle sprain was six to eight weeks, and he came back in, what, three weeks? And he has struggled since. He In this game, he had 13 rushes for only one yard. That average averages 0.1 yards a carry. Uh, they say he's going to be okay going forward, but you got to wonder. Like, and you even watch him. It's, Jamal Adams is smaller than Saquon Barkley, and he just he trucked him when he made that play. And so you got to wonder if he's just playing on one leg because mm-hmm. the production just isn't there. Um, and the receivers, Darius Slayton, the rookie wide receivers, continued his breakout. He had 10 catches, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. And Golden Tate ended up having two touchdowns. On the flip side, Sam Darnold had an okay game, but not as good as Daniel Jones. Uh, Le'Veon Bell continued to struggle, and so did the Jets' passing game. So, uh, But the Jets still pull out the win uh, in a kind of a meaningless game there. Jets on a little bit of a heater, too. The the Jets and the, and the Dolphins getting some uh, confidence boosters. Yeah, the Jets <laughs> now 2-7. and seven. All right, next we have Arizona at Tampa Bay. Yep, you knew this one would be a high-scoring game, and it was. Tampa Bay won 30-27, to although Kyler Murray had another good game, but he did finally throw an interception after a really long streak without interceptions. Uh, he did throw one in this game, but he also had three touchdown passes, 324 yards. Uh, all three touchdown passes went to Christian Kirk, who had six catches for 138 yards. Uh, on the flip side, Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston, 358 yards, a touchdown, but also the two interceptions, and um, the production was pretty spread out amongst the receivers in this game. Um, but yeah, Buccaneers take it 30-27 to in another one of those kind of whatever meaningless games. Okay, and uh, so next, probably the second biggest shocker upset of the week, Miami... Uh, heading to Indianapolis with Indy uh, giving up ten and a half points, and man, how about them Dolphins? Another tough one. What are they doing? What are they doing? They trade everyone before the season, during the season. They're trading everyone so that they lose and tank for Tua or the number one pick, and now suddenly they're winning games. <laughs> It's they're so winning, Dolphins. And they're it's winning, so Dolphins. They're winning games against a good team. Against too. a good team. Although you got to, I got to tell you, Brian Hoyer sucks. Yeah. He sucks. He was eighteen of thirty-nine for only two hundred yards, three tu- three interceptions, only one touchdown. Um, I know T.Y. Hilton was out, but those are like Mason Rudolph numbers. Brian Brian <laughs> Brian Hoyer was just straight garbage in this game. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, say what you will about him, but, you know, he, he tries, he scrambles around, and he gets up and down the field. He had a rushing touchdown in this game. So that Fitz magic, baby. Fitz magic was working. So, 
I don't know. I mean, the Dolphins are messing up their own future, and they're messing up the Colts season. So, uh, And Adam Vinatieri, holy shit, retire already. He's missing extra points, kicks. He's just... He's screwing up their season big time. And the coach, Frank Reich, isn't even covering his first ass anymore. He's just like, it's time. I feel like he's kind of like an old golfer. You know, the golfers don't, you don't lose the um, the drive. You lose the putting. The putting goes first because you lose your nerves. Right. So he's lost his, the feel for his kicks. and it's So it's not like even the long kicks. It's the short kicks that he's missing. And he's just missing them by a ton. So I just feel like he's I mean, lost are you, the feel. Are you referring to... To the uh, laces in kick from the end of the Steelers game. Yeah, that's one of them. Yeah, I mean that's a tough ball to hit. It's into, tough ball, into the open end of Heinz Field, which is one of the yeah. hardest stadiums to kick. But you're Adam Vinatieri. Yeah. Right. Adam Vinatieri. I mean, he's still the greatest of all time. Of course, but I think what is he forty six, forty seven now? I think it's time hang him up because he's costing them. Right. I think. I but think who he, do they? Here's the thing: is is who do they get? I mean, look look at Chicago going through uh, kickers like a roulette wheel right now. There's... You don't have faith in Eddie Pinheiro? <laughs> no? No faith in Eddie Pinheiro? <laughs> he did miss an extra point. You're right. I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's costing them. And it's kind of sad to see a kicker. But I don't, I, don't think the, I don't think there is a better option out there. So they'll probably keep it. You're right. The Patriots until... have Nick fucking Folk kicking for them. So you're right. What is, what is the better option? Go for two? I don't know. I'd love to see more of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on. The next contested pick, Carolina at Green Bay. You had uh, chosen Carolina plus five and a half. And three. Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things, 24 to 16. Oh, shoot. I didn't cover that game. Oh, my God. I thought I, I thought I did. So, Aaron Jones doing Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had the big, big, big game with three touchdowns in that one. But I was thinking that the McCaffrey, did you see the last play of the game where McCaffrey, it looked, I feel like he scored, but I guess they didn't cover. You're right. But I feel like he was in the end zone. You couldn't... Anyway, it's a loss. I take it. It's a loss, but could have easily been a win. And I think the play before halftime where, oh, my God, Rodgers was sacked in the end. He was hit in the No, he was hit in the end zone, and they called it um, roughing the passer. And he was sacked. Yeah, no, he was just sacked, and he was hit in the end zone, and he was called for roughing the passer by McCoy, and it was the worst call ever. Yeah. And he caught the flag. Did you see that one? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep, I did see Just that. Just more NFL poor officiating. And that would have given the Carolina the ball in good field position. And instead they didn't. So uh, I still thought Kyle Allen played well. And I thought, you know, it's the second game now this year that McCaffrey's been stopped at like the inch yard line when they had, they had a chance to win. There was that Thursday night Tampa Bay game where they lost. And now there was this game where they lose with McCaffrey on the inch yard line. I mean, for as good as he is, man. It's two wins that they could have had. So close. Yeah. And they're still in it, too. They're 5-4, and four, so tough loss. Uh, Green Bay hangs on. I didn't think Rodgers was that great in this game. I thought Aaron Jones was the better Aaron in this game. <laughs> the better Aaron. Okay, uh, next we have the Los Angeles Rams going into Heinz Field. Um, man, what an exciting game that was. We give up the score early on a fucked up snap by Marquise Pouncey. Turnovers. 
it was the hey, it was the the week of fumbles returned for touchdowns. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of a lot of that happening this week, which is cool. That's exciting shit. You like to see. Uh, I think the league is better when the defenses are scoring. Oh, I agree. I agree. Especially when the offenses are scoring as much as they are. You know, you like to see it spread spread around a little bit. But but the story of the game, I feel like, is the Rams' offense being able to do nothing. They didn't do shit. They they scored on defense, and then aside from that, all they had Hargrave was, had a hell of a game. All they had was the field goal, the one thirty yard field goal. Other than that, that's it. So the Steelers' defense, um, Watt had a huge game, right? Mm-hmm. And they're doing so. They're doing so well in the absence of Stephon Tuitt too, which right. I, I just think is amazing. Yep. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, Ramon Foster isn't a small piece to lose. You know, it's not like um, the offense is is a struggle. But I think if your defense can be elite, it's shown that it can in today's NFL culture where there's you know the haves and the have-nots. If you have one side of the ball that's really, really good, that can get you somewhere. I think they acquitted themselves well, though. Uh, you know, we were still able to move the ball a little bit. Um, and and Connor should be back for this Thursday night's game at Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the running situation has been tough for us. You know, so like who? who why def- is Cleveland favored by two and a half this Thursday? Like, I, I'm gonna be all over Pittsburgh this week. Well, might- we'll get we'll get to that in a okay. little bit. Um, Mason Rudolph, 22 for 38, 242 yards, one touchdown. Hey, no interceptions. A pie. That's something. Especially 38, 38 passes. You would think he'd have one or two there, at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huge game for James Washington. Six receptions for 90 yards, one touchdown. That's always been his boy. Going back to OSU. Yeah, I'm hoping to see a little more of that opening up. I was looking for that early um, in the week. I should actually send... Uh, uh, Luke, a, a, a message of the stat line saying, could have had this, could have had this on your team. but Yeah, I saw a report about it earlier in the week, too, that said that, that look for James Washington to have a bigger game. And I don't know who said it. It just it was kind of like a, a headline I saw somewhere. Well, I th- he I, delivered. I think beyond Jalen Ramsey, who everybody was sure was going That's to be point. all over and he was. Juju. Juju said that he had never heard some of the swear words that Jalen was saying to him. Did you see that? He's a very young kid. Yeah, and he's only 22. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, John. Mints. They're tasty. <laughs> All right, uh, moving along. We'll get in a little more Steeler talk later. We will? Yeah, when we talk about... Oh, good. The come week ahead. The yeah, Thursday, Thursday night, night game, game. baby. Yep. Okay. Um, so next contested pick... Minnesota at Dallas. You had chosen Dallas to um, minus two and a half. I didn't think Minnesota had a chance in this game, man, on Kirk Cousins in primetime. Uh, Marty contested it. He, no really? F- he contested it. No faith in his team. What a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And sure enough, the Vikings go into Dallas on Sunday Night Football and win 28-24. Dalvin Cook, 183 total yards, just tearing it up. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott does not look like the Ezekiel Elliott of the of even last year. Uh, Dak looks amazing. There was a, I, I t- my takeaway is that there were a lot of really good athletes on the field that night, and it was a fun game to watch. Mm-hmm. But just Dallas is missing something, and I got you have to point to the coach 
because they're loaded with talent offensively, defensively. What the hell is going on? And Minnesota, these aren't games Minnesota wins. Minnesota wins. They're like the Cincinnati-type team when Cincinnati a couple years ago could only win the 1 o'clock games. You know, They're like not made for prime time-type team. So for Minnesota to go in, win on a Sunday night in Dallas on prime time, that's impressive to me. But I think still it speaks more about the Cowboys' failures than it does about the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Cowboys had a chance late in the game, and their play calling was fucking horrendous. Just slamming their head against a brick wall over and over again. Like, it's not working. Do something else. Stick with Dak. That's working. Dak to Amari, that's working. Let's stick with that. But instead, they're just... I I, I don't... I mean, I know it's been said, and it's been said over and over again, but Jason Garrett, I I, I don't know. I I don't know. It's got to be so frustrating as a Cowboys fan to see so much invested in this team monetarily and emotionally and just not be able to get over that that hump. Marty's been calling for his head for a couple of years now. I think a lot of the Cowboys fans have. So, Poor Ronan. Uh, yeah, I, I just it's it's a tough life. So now they're hanging on to tied. They're hanging on to a playoff spot by a thread because they're tied for first in the NFC East now with the Eagles. They have the tiebreaker, but they play the Eagles again in a couple weeks. So is that the most overrated division of football right now? Well, you got Washington and the Giants, who both suck, suck. And then you got the Eagles and the Cowboys, who are both 5-4. and four. So, it's not even like anyone's good. So, I don't know if they're even overrated. Well, I think... They're that... overplayed, overhyped, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, moving into the Monday night game, the final game of, of Week 10. And our final contested pick, Seattle at San Francisco, the instant Monday night classic. Uh, you had picked Seattle... Why you with San Fran? Yep. Stunned. I mean, it seemed like this game was... It It made me second-guess myself because the six, six and a half points was like, what's up here? It's a division game that Seattle needs to stay in the division race. Uh, San Fran was kind of due. George Kittle's out. Uh, it, it, the spread seemed too high in this game. Did you, uh, did you catch any of the game? George Kittle looked... Looked like he was having a hard time watching. Yes, he did. Kept was like, he had his lips against the glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought Jimmy G did not look very good. Um, I thought I know that this game is getting a lot of press and play as like game of the year. There was a lot of issues with this game. There were seven turnovers. There was tons of penalties. There wasn't a very good flow to the game. Uh, there were mistakes made all over the place. Uh. You know, even Russell Wilson, the MVP, he only threw for one touchdown, and he had a crucial interception. He and looked I, fucking good. But I, he always has his moments in his games. It's just it's how he always plays. But the one thing that the crucial mistake was in overtime. So San Fran, they okay. So Russell Wilson throws that interception. Okay, the Seattle gets the ball first. They're going down to score. They get down to like the twelve yard line. Wilson throws, tries to throw the wheel route, wheel route, and it gets intercepted. And then San Fran guy brings it back 50 yards, and then San Fran is gets a first down, and then they it's second and two, and then they run it, and then they run it again, which was like, what are you doing? You're hitting a brick wall, and they were content to kick a 47-yard field goal to win it, and the guy missed it by a fucking mile, 
right? Okay, and then Seattle stalls out, kicks it back, just punts. They don't get anywhere. They have to punt. They punt it to San Francisco, gets the ball back with a minute and a half to go on like their own 10-yard line. And so right here, Seattle has no more timeouts. So you get the ball on your own 10-yard line with a minute and a half to go. So you either, what you need to do is you need to run the ball at least once, maybe twice, you know, or do like a screen pass Mm -hmm. and get that clock running. Mm-hmm. Because you can ensure that either you get the win, maybe you get yourself in position to get the win, but at absolute worst, you tie, and that keeps them two. That would keep them two games ahead of Seattle in the division, which is fucking huge. Because San Fran's schedule is difficult, and they play each other one more time. The next time is in Seattle. Okay, so if you lose this game, you're only ahead by one, and then then you still have to play at Seattle. So you could lose the division based on this this move. This is similar to something we had last year. You know, it's a really dumb move. But instead of running the ball or running a screen pass and running the clock, they ran three three pass plays, and they took 16 seconds off the clock, and they had to punt the ball back to Seattle. And, of course, Seattle goes down and ends up kicking a game-winning field goal as time expires. And it's just the stupidity of these coaches in the NFL. Do you think not, it's just a young I coach and in Shanahan. He panicked, kind of like he panicked in the Super Bowl when he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. Do you remember? Um, they were in field... Uh, when the Patriots played the Falcons in Super Bowl 51. They had the lead, and they were in field goal position, and they just made stupid call after stupid call, and then they got them. So they were in field goal range after a great Julio Jones catch, and then they were sacked, and then an offensive holding because they made another stupid call and they took themselves out of field goal range when if they hit a field goal there the Super Bowl likely would have been over that's on Shanahan and I feel like Shanahan when the bullets are flying in the game like they were last night the bullets are flying it was too much for him to handle he can he's a good game planner he's a good schemer for San Francisco and putting the offensive game plan into place but when the bullets are flying, I feel like there, there's just something there. And it's it's not just him. It's a lot of coaches in the, in the NFL. And I get it. It's a stressful thing. There's a lot on the line. But just think about that decision, man. Just a first down with a minute and a half to go in overtime. Run the ball. And then you're, you're going to ensure that Seattle, even if you go three and out, you're going to ensure that Seattle doesn't have any time to, to do anything either. So they can't win. You know what I mean? Like It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a simple thing. And I just don't understand why coaches miss it. Yeah. But they routinely do. I'm just glad that we have a coach specifically for clock management for Tomlin. It's important. And another coach specifically for challenge. Hey, we didn't talk about it. A few weeks back, Steelers won their first challenge in like (laughs) 15 straight challenges or something. So they have a guy that's doing it for them. Like the Patriots have their own guy that does it for them, Ernie Adams. Um, I don't want to bash the game last night. It was an entertaining game. It was an entertaining game, but I don't think it was the game like game of the year type game. I thought that there was just a lot of mistakes, penalties, and injuries, and there wasn't a good flow to the game. The last fourth quarter and overtime took forever, and I just thought there was a lot of drop passes. Do you know what I mean? Do you feel mm-hmm. that way too, looking back on it? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a little sloppy, but it, it, was, it, was, wild, entertaining. it, it was wildly entertaining. Okay. All right, uh, yeah, let's move on to uh, the week that is. Okay, uh, week be. 11, we're heading down the final stretch here, and uh, playoff races are really starting to kick into high gear. Uh, this is where teams are either going to make it or break it, and uh, we'll start off on Thursday. 
the short rest game. Uh, the five and four Pittsburgh Steelers heading to the dog pound to uh, face the three and six Cleveland Browns, who are favored minus two and a half. Yeah, someone is going to have to. This our uh, Nesto and I have no idea why Cleveland is minus two and a half in this game. Um, at least I don't. Do you? Um, well, I think it's tough to play in the dog pound. Pittsburgh has a second-string quarterback. And, um, but Cleveland's offense isn't going to be able to do shit against Pittsburgh's defense, right? Yeah, I don't know. It'll be a defensive battle for sure. I, I don't suspect this will be... What's the over-under on this game? 40, yeah. So I expect low scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, because you need this game. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel this like is huge. You gotta you gotta start stacking these wins. But Cleveland needs it too. But I feel like Cleveland's still too far out of it at three and six. Saying, I feel like Pittsburgh needs this game more, and I feel like Pittsburgh should be favored in this game. They they got something cooking here, and you know you just put the teams next to each other. The Browns fumble and stumble all over themselves, and the Steelers are finding ways to win. Um, I, I'm all about the Steelers in this game, and you know it's not a bet the house part three edition. For my picks this year, but maybe bet uh, bet your car. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so John is going uh, with the Steelers here in the bet almost your house uh, pick of the week. Yeah, I like the Steelers. And and before we get too far into this, I just want to quickly look ahead here uh, for the Steelers. It's pretty. This past game was was, huge. was my scheduled loss for the next little bit. I was like, okay, we're probably going to lose this one, mm-hmm. but if we win this one, this one, and this one. So we have uh, on Thursday night, we have the Browns. The next week, we have the Bengals. Then we have the Browns again. At home. This next one will be at home. Yeah. At home, right. And then we are in Arizona, which will be tough. Uh, the, the Steelers very typically struggle with those uh those Fast West taste high high offense octane teams and, and and the West Coast uh, the West Coast trip something crazy always happens on the West Coast yeah, trip good point. and we have a hard time with that but I, I think um, it'll be a good opportunity to take advantage of a young Kyler Murray and uh, you know we're definitely going to be throwing everything at him then we have the Bills uh, and you know we were just talking earlier about the trajectory they're on that's another very winnable game. With a very inconsistent young quarterback, and that's in Pittsburgh, which is nice. If it were in Buffalo, I might, I might feel a little bit different if it was in Buffalo because that can be a tough place to play, especially late in the year. But since it's in Pittsburgh, I, right. I feel like I would lean Pittsburgh there. Yep. Then we have the Jets in New York, but it's the fucking Jets. And then we finish out the season in Baltimore and. I, f- I feel like... You the, should be all set by then. The writing is on the wall. We need to have this thing bagged up before that game. Because That's what I'm saying. It should be all set by then. You should be in. And, and you you expect... I mean... I so how many wins is that? Say that, that looks like five... That sounds like five more wins right there. Yeah. I would say five. I wouldn't be surprised if we split one with the Browns. I wouldn't be surprised if we lost one to the Cardinals. Um, so if you go five and two, that's ten and six. There you go. Hell of a season that I did not see coming after game two. Right. Just, you know, I mean, you're going to beat the Bengals. You should beat the Bengals. You should beat the Jets. Those should be easy wins, so that gets you to seven wins. You win one of the Cleveland games. That's eight. 
Arizona. Yeah, I will. I will say this. Nine. That uh, Buffalo ten. That's that Cincinnati. That Cincinnati game scares me because it has all of the makings for the typical Mike Tomlin taking a team for granted. Getting a little extra rest now because they're going to have the Thursday night game and then 10 days to chill. Yep. You're right. Long rest, inferior opponent. Cincinnati. Has, yeah. Team that hates you. Right, exactly. Yeah. It has all the makings for... Just a, a miserable upset, and the Steelers underperforming. And Cincinnati doesn't need to even finish at zero wins either now and keep the one seed because my everyone else has two wins now. <laughs> so Cincinnati can try to win one. <laughs> All right. Well, Marty agrees with us on on the uh, on the Steelers, so we'll move on. Dallas, the five and four Dallas Cowboys heading into Detroit, the three five and one Detroit Lions. I didn't see a line on this. Still don't. I mean, we're not going to get one because. It's it's we don't know if Stafford's going to play or not. Well, the ESP li- ESPN line is uh, Cowboys minus four and a half, so we'll we'll use that. Okay, uh, Cowboys minus four and a half at Detroit. Oh, um, sure, why not? Let's ride or die with the Cowboys. Okay, Marty agrees. Uh, do I feel good about it? No, <laughs> he probably doesn't feel good about it either. Yeah. All right, next we have the 4-5 and five Jacksonville Jaguars going into Indianapolis, desperate for a rebound uh, at 5-4. and four. Indianapolis is minus 3. Is Jacoby Brissett going to be back? The line suggests that he won't be, right? Because shouldn't they be favored by like 5 or 6 with Brissett? If Hoyer's playing, it's the game's pretty close to Eon. Um, yeah, I'll go Indy minus 3 here. I'm, not, I'm just going to do it. I mean, they, they should win by a field goal at home against the Jaguars. All right. And this will be our first contested pick of the week. Interesting. Yeah. I have a, I have Marty's picks here. He sent them to me. Does so. He, so does he expect Warrior to play and play badly? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that explains that. Yep. Already, the next uh, game we have is Buffalo 6-3 and three at Miami. Break up the Dolphins. Uh, Miami plus five and a half. Um, The Dolphins got to start losing again. I'm going to go Bills minus six. Okay, next we have the three and six Denver Broncos at uh, Minnesota hot off of a, uh, a big win, seven and three. They are minus ten and a half. I'm gonna go Denver plus ten and a half here. I think that this is a good, um, you know, letdown spot for the Vikings, and yeah. Okay. Well, Marty thinks that uh, the Vikings are going to continue their dominance and steamroll the Broncos. So that is our second contested pick. Oh, uh, quick update on the score: you guys wound up uh, three and three uh, for Week Ten. So you remain seven ahead at twenty-three to thirty. Okay. Next we have the seven and two New Orleans Saints at Tampa Bay. The three and six Buccaneers uh, and Tampa Bay is plus five and a half. I like Tampa Bay plus five and a half. Tampa Bay to me always seems to play close games with the Saints. Surprisingly close games. So um, I feel that. Saints are in a bounce back spot, but the Buccaneers just, they've always, especially in Tampa, they over the years, they've upset the Saints in Tampa. Uh, division game, they know each other well, so Tampa, plus five and a half at home. Okay. 
Well, Marty thinks that uh, New Orleans is going to have their big bounce back game. And, yep, so we got three down already. I might have to get a little picky and choosy here going forward, but uh, we'll see how it goes. The 2-7 and seven Jets at the 1-8 and eight Washington Racists. Uh, Washington uh, is favored by one. Um, why didn't this game get flexed to Sunday Night Football? <laughs> game of the week. I'm going to go Jets here, plus one. Already? I feel like the Redskins are like, nah, we're good. <laughs> right? But the Jets are no not much better with Adam Gase. I don't know. These two teams are like two teams that hate everything about themselves. But yeah, I'll go Jets. Okay. The Tuna... <clears throat> The two and seven Falcons at the five and four Carolina Panthers. Uh, Carolina is minus five and a half. Yes, and I will go. Panthers lay the five and a half here. Okay. Uh, next we have the six and three Texans at the Rockin' and Rollin' seven and two Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore at home is favored minus four. Um, I want the Ravens to lose, so I'm not seeing this game as clearly as I should. So I'm going to go Texans plus four. But my, f- I don't know, I feel like the Ravens might be a good pick here. But Well, Marty agrees with you there and is absolutely contesting. He's No, he's got the Ravens. Oh, he does. I got, I'm going Houston. Okay. All right. Contested pick. Very good. Okay, uh... The three six and one Arizona Cardinals at San Francisco. The newly defeated eight and one San Francisco 49ers, uh, who are giving up eleven and a half points here at home. I'm betting a lot of money on the Cardinals in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy bet on the Cardinals. Is this because the holding on to the undefeated? You know, the coming off a short week, big emotional game against Seattle, overtime game where they had to play full. Extra extra quarter um, in a divisional game against the Cardinals where the Cardinals have a good offense. 11.5 is just too many points here. Cardinals is this, is this the cash out your Roth IRA early? and uh, it's, No, it no, because you're still betting on the Cardinals. So it's not going to be like a very strong, strong bet. But it's going to be a good size bet. All right. Next we have the perfect losers, the Bungles. At the imperfect losers, the Oakland Raiders, 5-4. and four. Oakland is minus 10 in this. Say that again. Oakland is minus 10. You ever think you think you would say that? Raiders minus 10? <laughs> Over anyone? No. Um, but that's why I'll go with it. I'm going to go Oakland minus 10. And then we have New England at... Oh, boy. The 8-1 and one Patriots at Philadelphia... Uh, who is five and four, and New England is minus three and a half. I think the Patriots might lose again. So you are going to choose the Eagles, Eagles plus three here? and a half. Okay. Eagles need this game, and it's a big game. Uh, yeah, you think Patriots could lose this game? Think the Pats will uh, lose two in a row? Could happen. Okay. I don't. I hope not. Obviously, but. I just feel like it's not a great matchup for him. And the both teams are coming off a bye. 
The Eagles need this game really bad for the division to stay in that division. Race with the Cowboys. The Eagles are at home. You know, they got a mobile quarterback in Wentz, which gives the Patriots the problems. Um, you know, they use their running backs and their tight ends. And, of course, we saw with the Ravens, that's what gives the Patriots problems. Um, you know, the Patriots can lock down your outside receivers. But if you can have success with, you know, running the ball, throwing to your running backs, throwing to your tight ends, and having a mobile quarterback, that's what gives the Patriots offense problems. And so the Eagles have that recipe for success. So... Okie dokie. Eagles plus three and a half. I hate to say it. All right. Well, uh, we're going to contest this. All right. Thanks, Mar- Marty. Yeah, Marty's picking New England. That's funny. He's pick- he picks against Dallas and uh, and for New England most mm. of the time. I mean, picking uh, taking New England pretty much every week is, is, over the last 20 years, has made you consistent money it's like it's like an ira you know just take you take the patriots every week and don't question it but but i mean where's the the fun in that financial planning by john downing but where's the fun in that right so bet the farm on belichick all right uh the four and five disappointing chicago bears at the five and four um possibly disappointing los angeles rams the Rams are uh, giving up six and a half points in this. Tricky. Seems like a, a bit much. So I'm going to go with it. Yeah, I'll go Rams minus six and a half then. Trubisky pukes on himself on Sunday football. I think Aaron Donald forces some turnovers and Rams. But you're right. It does. It, in theory, it seems a little high, but you know, then you think about the game and. Being in prime time, Sunday night game of the week at LA, Trubisky has struggled so much this year. I think the Rams defense can get after him. But can the Bears defense get after the Rams bad offensive line? Yes. I have more faith in the Rams than I do Trubisky, so Rams minus six and a half. Okay. And then finally, the Monday night game, the six and four Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomesful, no, instead of Mahomesless, like mm-hmm. they have been, at the L.A. Chargers. Uh, so it's basically going to be a home game for the Chiefs. The four and six Chargers will be getting four points here. Yeah, Chiefs minus four, bounce back spot. I feel like the Chargers are kind of a mess. Don't really know what their identity is. Rivers is struggling, throwing the ball. And... You know, the Chargers have struggled running the ball. The Chiefs have, str- have struggled stopping the run. Which, what's going to give there? I, I'm not really sure, but I feel like, you know, I'll go with the Mahomes side here on Monday Night Football. Um, but I could be wrong. Mahomes doesn't have a winning record on primetime games. He, he has He's a loser so far in his career on the big primetime stage, so... But I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with Mahomes. He'll, maybe he'll let me down again. <laughs> and this week, Green Bay, New York uh, Giants, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Tennessee Titans all have buys. Is this the, the last round of buys? Uh, negative. There are Arizona, Kansas City, Chargers, and Minnesota the following week have buys. And then that wraps up bye weeks. Mm. Okay. Uh, any... Final notes here to uh, tie up the week that is to come, week 11? 
Uh, no, it's just that, you know, the playoff picture becoming clearer. In the AFC, you got the bye teams, New England and Baltimore. Uh, currently have the buys, and then you have Houston as the three. Um, they would host Pittsburgh right now, and Buffalo would be at Kansas City in week one. Uh, so you get some good matchups. Pittsburgh at Houston would be fun. I would Buffalo be at Kansas City. I would be okay with that matchup too. I think yeah. that out of all of the, um, I don't want to go to Kansas City for week one. No, you have you have issues with Kansas City as a, as a team, especially the last few times you played them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right. I agree. Um, there's some issues there. So I think yeah, you prefer Houston. So maybe maybe the sixth spot is where you want to be. But I mean. Beggars can't be choosers. I mean, you know, I, I would just root for wins. Yeah, right you now. just need a ticket to just, the yeah, dance. Yeah, just get a ticket to the dance. And, then, and the NFC, you know, you got your San Fran and Green Bay are the two by teams right now. And then New Orleans is the three seed. They would be hosting Minnesota in the round one. And Seattle would be at Dallas. And I would take Seattle in that game. Um, so I'd take Seattle and New Orleans. So it should be – NFC is definitely really interesting. Um, AFC is interesting, especially on the lower end, because there's a lot of teams still involved, including um, Oakland and Indianapolis at five and four, Tennessee at five and five, even Jacksonville at four and five, Chargers four and six, uh, still have a chance. So um, shaping up as a good finish to the season. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay, Johnny. Well, um, another congratulations to uh, Marty and Little Ronan yes. and Jade. And uh, it'll probably be the two of us for a little bit going here, obviously. Um, Marty's going to be busy not sleeping and... Um, Changing diapers. Wiping shit out of a tiny pair of balls. Nice. Getting peed on. <laughs> Sounds like a blast. <laughs> but uh, if you... Um, if you want to get at us, you can uh, find Johnny on Twitter at Green Mountain Grinder. That's Green MT Grinder on Twitter, and you can also uh, find us the podcast Green Mountain Sports on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Please like and subscribe. Um, if you haven't done this already, uh, head over to the to the Podbean app and just just sign up for a little thing. And um, and subscribe to our podcast. It, follow us too. Yeah, follow us. It, it helps a lot just um, getting the algorithm to put us out there when people search for podcasts. So uh, we'd appreciate all that. Um, and all right. Thanks a lot. Have a good week.